everyone and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always, and I'm hoping she can speak here, I mean, she may emulate the film, but uh, Tara's here. Greetings, citizens. It would be a very one-sided podcast. You damn dirty apes. <laughs> it would be a very one-sided <laughs> podcast if you were going to emulate Nova and be quiet <laughs> the whole time. It might be a good trade-off <laughs> if I could be Nova except for the voice. <laughs> uh, yeah so it's a science fiction movie podcast obviously we're going to be talking about planet of the apes based on uh, a couple of uh, lines there uh, so this is actually a vote winner every month on patreon.com slash tv our patrons at five dollars and up get to vote between five between four films <laughs> and the winner will do it so this was uh, another the special sort of theme here was that they were all the, the first movies in franchises because we were finishing off jurassic park we knew we were going to be done with that and this is us starting another franchise. So the vote was for which franchise we're going to do, essentially. So this is, from here, this is where we're going to go. So uh, in the franchise, for the record, we're including all five original films, the Tim Burton remake, and all three of the newer trilogy. Uh, so it's quite a long one. Uh, it'll take us a while to get through this. And we're not doing it every episode, you know, back to back. We're doing one per month, give or take. And yeah. We'll go from there. And so. we may have to really like hype ourselves up in order to watch the Tim Burton one. <laughs> I mean, if by hype ourselves up, you mean self-inflict the scene from A Clockwork Orange <laughs> where we strap ourselves down and have the, <laughs> the metal clamps and the eyelids. Like, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Not looking forward to it. We'll have to like just go back to back with that one and then straight away into the, the reboot so we can get, you know... Like, okay, at least this came out of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, if, if Tim Burton didn't crash and burn so badly, maybe we'd never have gotten Rise and Dawn and, and War, and that would be a travesty. But, of course, we're starting with the original 1968 film. We will start spoiler-free. Now, I realize that saying that for Planet of the Apes does raise the question of, like, does that include the twist ending? Because pretty much... Everyone knows. Like I, I would have loved. Cause I, I, I knew the ending when I watched this for the first time. I would have loved to have seen this, not knowing what the ending was going to be, because I'll never know if I, if, if I would have guessed that or you figured it out. Or you remember when you first saw this? Yeah, because I uh, this was one that I saw. I had a period when I was in high school where I was buying up DVDs left and right of classics that I hadn't seen, and I saw. I didn't see this as a kid. I saw this. I mean, I was a kid technically because I wasn't eighteen yet, but like I think I was about mm-hmm. fifteen, sixteen. Uh, I remember I watched this in the same day because I got like four DVDs in the mail because I, I, you know, I ordered them off the internet like all the time. And I remember watching this in the same day as Hero, the Jet Li movie uh, directed by Zhang Yimou. Uh, it was a good day. That was a good day. Uh, so I remember like cranking up the sound system and sitting down and just sort of watching movies all day. That's uh, a long movie too, isn't it? Uh... It's super long. It's over two hours, but I don't think it's like super, super long. Well, a long day of movies. Epic, I would say. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, I'm going to avoid talking about the ending until we get to spoilers, which... I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, just in case, for some reason, you don't know the ending, at least I'm giving you the choice <laughs> of of not hearing it until spoilers. So, we'll, we'll go from there, uh, and then we'll talk about how that impacts everything when we get there. But... Uh, yeah, so the premise of Planet of the Apes, if you somehow are not familiar with it, uh, three astronauts, well, technically four, but 
one never really kind of makes it anywhere uh, or has a line of dialogue. I thought we were avoiding spoilers. <laughs> this is the premise. This is the opening. This is the setup. Well, what's my spoiler-free description supposed to be? There's four astronauts. Ast- there's four astronauts on a ship. <laughs> Things happen. I can't tell you anything else. <laughs> but no, they they go into hypersleep. Uh, they they land on a planet, a distant planet, and they wake up and discover they're on a planet that is being run by intelligent talking apes, and that the human beings that are on this planet cannot speak and are, are kind of wild and. Mm-hmm treated like animals and that kind of thing so that is your, your basic gist and Charlton Heston of course plays the lead character of, of Taylor who tries to convince the apes that he's intelligent and so on and so on and we, we get a good glimpse into kind of the, the hierarchy and the, the, the lifestyle and, the, and the, the culture of these apes and of course like any science fiction there's a lot of commentary here uh, what is notable is that this movie is co-written, now admittedly it's based on a novel so the idea didn't come from this person, but it, the screenplay is co-written by Rod Serling, who is it's notable to say that he, of course, is the creator and host of the Twilight Zone and wrote a bunch of those episodes, uh, which is relevant, of course, because if you if you weren't aware, me and Tara reviewed those classic Twilight Zone episodes. We're about halfway through season two right now, and we keep going uh, one a week, and it's good fun, uh, apart from some of the bad episodes. But yes, so that is. Well, I told everyone how I first saw this. I mean, do you? Was were you just really young? Was this something you watched as a kid? Yeah, I definitely didn't know the ending the first time I saw it, because I watched it as a kid and I watched it before, you know, spoilers were a thing I had to worry about. Sure. And they were just movies that were a part of my childhood, like all of them were. Yeah, I, the original one. I um, what's funny is that I know what spoiled it for me. I can actually tell you exactly what spoiled the ending of this movie for me. And it wasn't spoilers on the internet. It was. It wasn't The Simpsons, no. Um, No, admittedly, I probably saw that episode of The Simpsons with the musical, but I I saw it so young that I didn't remember or, you know, it wasn't going to come up. What spoiled spoiled it for me that I remembered was there's an episode of Cheers where they're talking about this movie and Mm. they talk about the twist, and I always remembered it coming up. Uh, It's actually the same. An episode of Veronica Mars, and I won't say what it is, but this it spoiled the ending of Citizen Kane of all things. <laughs> so, so when I saw Citizen Kane finally, I knew what Rosebud was. Yeah, but that that whatever Rosebud thing is in Citizen Kane, it, it's so like blah. Anyway, <laughs> I wasn't even trying to give my opinion on the movie. I was just pointing out that so, there's some <laughs> movies where their endings are just like, considered. Really? That's it. <laughs> some, some endings are just considered fair game to spoil I don't necessarily go with that I mean admittedly I also don't think you should necessarily never have anything reference a famous ending because it's sure. going to happen from time to time but you know I, I, I've said in the past that I don't think that an article should ever have the spoil, you know, the twist ending in the title like someone who's not seen The Sixth Sense should be able to say it's an article about The Sixth Sense you know what I'm not going to read that because I've not got around to watch it yet sure sure yeah. So that's all. Bit of bit of uh, etiquette and consideration. Anyway, so obviously we've both seen this a bunch of times. Uh, Tara, how did you feel watching Planet of the Apes once more? I love watching this movie. I've watched it many times. And when people tell me they haven't seen it, this is the first thing I put on. I love this movie. <laughs> all right, okay. Unconditional praise. Sounds like we're, we're yes. what we're going to get uh, for the rest of this. 
no, I mean, it's a great movie. I like it a lot as well. I, I, it's it's pretty well directed. It's got a lot of great visuals. It's mm-hmm. got a lot of those science fiction themes. I don't think it's perfect, though. I will. Uh, later on, I'll, I'll, I'll give some examples of maybe why I think it's not completely perfect. But I do think it's really great. Uh, I expect that from you, and I'm sure everyone else does. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> Nothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> How dare you? Uh-huh. I've been so offended in all my life. <laughs> so, so, no, I, uh, I, so I, there's, so yeah, it's not perfect, but it's very strong. It holds up remarkably well, despite the fact that we've got these, you know, ape outfits and like what, whatnot, which yeah. are very good for the time, but ultimately... Oh, yeah. I think that is something that I remember from watching it more. I don't know. Like I watched it a lot as a kid, and then I think I skipped it for a while, and then started watching it again in like early adulthood. And she's like, you know what? The the makeup really does hold up pretty well for the time. Like you could, like everybody has like really great movements and little ticks in their 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 facial like movements and features, and it, it really surprisingly like works especially if you've seen the sequels yeah. where they well, get a lot cheaper. <laughs> this is the thing. Like it, it, it holds up and it doesn't. It holds up in the sense that it works really well. And like you say, they have text, they have like, they create characters out of it, but it doesn't hold up in the sense that under no circumstance do any of these little really apes <laughs> like at all. Uh, they're, they're, they're suits. No. They're little suits. Yeah, yeah. And, sure. Which is fine. Like it's, it's Obviously it's of its time and that's whatever. But obviously now, we can look at the new trilogy and go, holy shit, those look like actual apes. <laughs> and they're talking, yeah. and they're, they're doing these things, and it's uh, this it next level thing. It justifies all the terrible CGI we have to get there. Yes, yes. The, the decades of bad CGI were worth it if, if, the, if the apes trilogy, which <laughs> arguably might not have been surpassed still, even though War's like three years old now. Yeah. But anyway, so... Uh, yeah, so I've, 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 that's not really one of my... my nitpicks it's more just a a focus thing more than anything but it's a really solid movie it's got adventure elements it's got a lot of science fiction themes it's got a lot to say mm-hmm. it makes you think about certain things it's you know it's, it's doing a lot of really interesting stuff and it's funny actually this is the first time i've watched it knowing that rod serling had a hand in the script and what's funny is that the movie opens with taylor on his own before he goes into the, the, the cryo sleep because the other three are already sleeping and he's sitting basically doing his captain's log right he could have almost started with a uh, captain's log star date blah 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 but he, sa- he says he gives a speech and it sort of sets up some of the themes of the film he's very cynical he's very jaded he's talking about how humanity's kind of in a shit place and mm-hmm. you know neighbors killing each other and like none of other stuff and he sort of like talks in the monologue for a while so i mean i, I kind of simplified it but it's kind of this monologue that's on for a little bit and honestly knowing this this came at least in part from rod serling i could have imagined two things happening and both would have felt completely natural in the scene one is that as he got up and walked over to his cryo sleep if he just ended with in the twilight zone i'd have like that'd have fit it'd have fit the end of that speech and then the other one is that as he goes over to his cryo sleep and then he like you see him like sort of go to sleep if the camera like panned over and Rod Serling was sitting there, yeah, and Rod Serling <laughs> like meet Taylor, an astronaut at the end of the cosmos. Submitted for your approval. <laughs> Four astronauts leave Earth, <laughs> but they find something a little bit different and shocking. 
and the Twilight Zone. Like you, you, you could, <laughs> it just <laughs> it would fit so well. It really is a, a long episode of the Twilight Zone in a lot of ways. Yeah. Even down to the ending. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I wouldn't say what it is, but there's been several episodes of the Twilight Zone that essentially have the same twist ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're only a halfway through season two, so there's a lot of Twilight Zone in this. Yeah. I can think of two. Well, no, three right off yeah. the bat, actually. And obviously, it look, it's much higher budget. It's got these big visuals. They're them yeah. wandering around the rocks and the cliffs and stuff near the start. All of that looks gorgeous. They're all in real locations yes. and it's yeah all that stuff. So, but... I mean, hell, even that part reminds me of uh, the episode where it's like, the three astronauts and they're they're wandering around. That was which, one of the episodes I was yeah, thinking of. <laughs> which admittedly also has the same twist, but I was just comparing the first part of it to. I the... think I think we even brought that up in the review. We probably did. Yeah. We, we probably did. We probably said, "Yeah, no wonder he went on." It, honestly, it shocks me that this is based on a book written by someone else because so much of it's in the Twilight Zone before that book existed. Because the book came out in 1963. I, I heard somewhere that Rod Serling like. I had the the ape planet be like very much into the future like in technology wise like they would have flying like cars and mm. have like a whole civilization that was very technology based but it was just not in a budget to do i wonder if i i don't know i love so much how like just primitive the planet looks and like the the visual of the landscape that I think if you added in all that stuff, it would maybe be a little too hokey or a little too cheesy. With the effects that they would have, you know, available to them in 1968, yeah, probably. Yeah. It probably would be too hokey. Plus, it would also kind of hurt it in the sense that a lot of the film's plots about the Forbidden Zone and this secret area, like, you wouldn't really be able to do that if it, if it was a civilization that spawned an entire globe and they had, mm-hmm. like, flight and they were traveling, like, you know, country to country and all that sort of stuff. I feel like a lot of the plot yeah. of this movie wouldn't work in that context. It's like having a Superman game where all of a sudden there's a wall, invisible wall that you can't yes. fly past. <laughs> That's a quality, quality example, yes. <laughs> but yeah, it, it very much uh, it benefits. And I think it actually adds to the themes that the culture is kind of in this relatively mm-hmm. primitive place. Primitive to us, primitive to our you know, standard right. of living. Well, it, yeah, there's... A whole lot of allegories here going on, which is lot. one of the reasons why it's a makes it like a great science fiction movie to watch because it it's you know so much of it is just a conversation piece. Yeah, the, the, well, there's a lot of allegories to class, to military, mm-hmm. to religion. Uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of Scopes Monkey trial here. There's a lot of Inherit the Wind if you've yeah, ever seen that. I have not, but uh, there's also a lot of specific stuff to the time period. Uh, the mm-hmm. ending obviously tends to one of the bigger things that were going on at the time, but also sure. e- even just uh... so it's actually kind of interesting that this comes out in 1968 because one of the things that I, I kind of stuck out to me watching it again this time is that a lot of this is about the new younger generation like trying to change things and the older generation not really being like how should I say accepting <laughs> of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, current day, you could call it the baby boomers versus the, the millennials, right? Like, if you want to do it, right? Just to sort of put it in modern parlance. Yeah. But, Sorry, I live next to a racetrack. Yes, I, I hear, I hear. Uh, <laughs> but, like, and I, I think that's there. And it's what, what's funny about it is that it kind of paints Charlton Heston, and he's almost genius casting in the sense that, you know, if you look at the films he'd done before this, 
you're looking mm-hmm. at your your Ben Hur, your Ten Commandments. He's kind of this prototypical, like all American, yeah, sort of straight white male lead. And they could have put John Wayne in the lead, also, yeah. They could have. I mean, having watched one of his movies now, he would be very boring to watch. But yes, they could have, in theory, done that. Yes, he he's not always boring. I like him as stagecoach, and um, I like uh, what is it, Rooster Cogburn, True Grit. Yeah, well, I watched Real Bravo, and I was bored to absolute tears, despite the fact that that plot sounded great on paper. He's got some good. Uh, he's got some good uh, war movies too. It's a good movie. I think it has a bridge in it. I like movies with bridge in the title. What was my point? You you you, you let me down a path. Uh, oh yes, I was talking about uh, the 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 generational thing. So. But you, ha- you have this thing that's represented both within the apes themselves and the idea that of this younger generation wanting to like show and expand and do new things and the older generation that are against it. But then you also have on a separate level to that the idea of Heston's character being part of the old generation and the apes representing the new generation after things have changed and being mm-hmm. like shocked and appalled at what they've done. And almost to the point where you could you could say that maybe this could even be seen as like almost i don't know if i say propaganda but like something that is in favor of the the old guard rather than the new guard except of course the ending throws the wrench into that that says no the old guard kind of did this like you know it's there's multiple levels to it and it's kind of a critique of basically any culture who gets to too much hubris too too much like thinking we, we are the best our way is the correct way there's no challenge in it and it should yeah, never be this challenged. Is like, this is like if Captain Kirk came to a planet of apes and said, you're doing it all wrong. But it's like, you're looking at the apes as an allegory for man. And Kirk is here to tell you how we've moved past that. And, but then, like you said, the ending, like, throws right. it's hard to talk about without the ending. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. But I, that, that's kind of what makes it work so well, is that it's, right. the apes are kind of representing man, but then man is also representing man. And they, they both because the, the whole point is ultimately is they're kind like of the same. Man, like 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 the Star Trek person who's like, yes, no, we've we've moved past this like this stage. Like you shouldn't oppress people. You shouldn't have class. Like you're not better than others. Um, there's also a lot of like. Well, no, to be I, I think to be no, to ahead. be fair, uh, Heston's character isn't from a Star Trek like world though. He's he's from a world that's much more steeped in everything because his opening speech basically says that Elsa shithole. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he has a line about like the woman that they brought with him who was supposed to be their eve it's kind of gross yeah he says yeah not <laughs> only that he calls her the most precious piece of cargo they had yeah yeah so not very star trekky in that sense that's true uh not very star trekky <laughs> which was airing well this when this came out amazingly. right but it does seem like like he looks down on the apes because because of the way that their their society is run and how they treat other species on their planet, um, but it it is more like a Star Trek parallel in that he sees them as we've already gone past this in humanity. Well, I, than... I I would actually dial it even further than that and say that this is more like an offense that this thing that he's like you know apes are supposed to be primitive and he's supposed to be higher up in the 
not the food chain per se because i mean if a man takes on an ape in a one-on-one fight the ape's winning but like yeah. <laughs> the ape is definitely winning but he sees himself as superior so there's actually yeah. kind of almost this arrogance and because like, i think naturally because he's the human right we as a human audience because we're the only audience we naturally kind of side with him and we're kind of hoping because there's a whole section of the movie where he can't speak because he's been injured and you want him to finally say something so they'll all know that he's not an idiot that he's that he is smart yeah. that he is intelligent improve but here's the thing is that his arrogance in thinking that he's better from the get-go actually kind of proves that he's just as bad as them in a lot of ways because sure how, how they're treating humans is just like he would expect to treat an ape exactly uh, so there's actually a lot of like animal rights <laughs> like um I, I think the new the the first of the reboot films does this a lot better those mm. obviously where they just literally have apes being in cages being experimented on like we do all the time and but this one puts humans in that position and there's a lot what what are you smirking at I just we said that as if it wasn't the royal we. I was like, wait, does, does male fuzz have a have a like a lab somewhere where we're testing apes? Like, like we do all the time, yeah. <laughs> we are an experiment, but not, yeah, not in that way. <laughs> yes. But um, yes, the humanity does. Right. Actually, one of the or other points. One of the other points I was going to make when I said about the, the film coming out in 1968 is that this is actually right at the time when hollywood was shifting because it's actually a year after this the easy rider came out no i'm not a fan of easy rider i think it's actually it's shockingly boring when i tried to watch that movie but well everybody's dad is <laughs> yeah so uh, what but what that kind of represented there was this kind of shift and that's when independent cinema became a thing and the hollywood system was no longer the only game in town and i think it's very interesting that this movie is a hollywood movie it's got a hollywood budget it feels like a hollywood even just the way the plot works feels very even though it's got all these themes in it it's still very hollywoody in how it presents yeah, itself it, it's shot like one it's yeah like yeah it's very cinemascope but, it looks like a western you know yeah but i think it's very interesting that this movie's themes are about like fearing the new guard and fearing the change and <laughs> it's right at the exact time when that was about to happen in hollywood where these new filmmakers yeah. would make films in new ways and challenge things. Right. It actually is similar to the themes in um, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I think takes place at this around this time. Uh, you're right, yeah. Not, uh, yeah, 1969. Because yeah. I mean, lo long before it had a title, it was literally the Tarantino 1969 project for like a long time. Right, right. Yeah, so yeah. that makes sense. Like, this... Uh, that was a huge theme in that film was old Hollywood being replaced and with these, you know, hippie cinemas. <laughs> yeah. And, and this, of course, is not about uh, cinema being replaced in any way. It's more broad than that. It's just about everyone. And it's just, it's just about society. But mm -hmm. it, it fits into that. It's, I think it's actually really funny thinking about it that way, that it, it actually comes out right as that's happening. And it's not that Hollywood cinema went away obviously it had to adapt and change to it and it wasn't the mm -hmm. you know the only dog in, or the only game in town anymore but it, it did like have to react to it it did have to react to the fact that hey there's this new exciting cinema and it's what led to some of these younger filmmakers then getting their chance like i don't know if mm -hmm. without like the new independent scene do you get a spielberg getting a chance to like rise up and make things like jaws in 75 and and so yeah. on so the duel or Duel. Well, Duel, Duel, Duel was very soon after this. That was a, a TV movie. I know. That's wonderful. <laughs> Duel's very good, yes. Uh, I, like, I saw it for the first time just last year. Very good. It was basically Jaws, but with a truck. 
<laughs> they, I, I almost want them to the go back and just use John Williams' score from uh, Jaws uh, on Duel. Just like, just put that music in there. Like, <laughs> that big dun. oil rig, that rusty oil rig with all the smoke coming out of yeah. it. <laughs> I think it would work. I, th- I think you would even have to like. And then he eats the bus of kids, the school bus. <laughs> yes. That would be great. Exactly. Uh, there actually is a, a a car with a mind of its own movie, uh, which is basically actually a rip off of Jaws because it follows the structure of Jaws to a T. Because you know that scene yeah. in Jaws where, uh, like, it's the, when they know something's up, but the mayor's refusing to close everything. So there's the scene where everyone runs up to the beach and everyone's on the beach trying to stay away from the shark because the shark's too close. Uh, mm-hmm. There's that scene, but it's like it's the it's the car, it's, but it's the exact same mechanics where they're all behind the fence and they all run for the fence. So it's the same thing, uh, it's, but it's called the car, and it stars uh, James Brolin, Josh Brolin's dad. <laughs> all right. And I own it on Blu-ray because I'm that kind of weirdo. <laughs> Is it horror or science fiction? It's probably more horror, but I mean, that's it's a- all right. You guys can have it. It's a car with a mind of its own, so I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's more horror. Yeah, it's... I mean, Christine is a horror film. Christine definitely is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, but you know, it's yeah, it's just it's I think it's fascinating where it fits into cinema history, where it fits into culture at the time. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you've got all these other things going on because this is right around the time, of course, of the Vietnam War. It's also uh, right in the by in the middle of the Cold War. Uh, and the nuclear arms race so there's so many like ideas so many themes so many things sort of going on which if i was going to get to a complaint is that there's actually maybe a little too many in the film if i if i was to critique it a little bit it would be that in the middle of the movie it starts bringing in all this religion and all this science versus religion stuff and it's all really good stuff but i just almost wonder if there's almost just too many like too many things in the pot (laughs) like just maybe uh simplify the taste a little bit like, I, don't I don't i don't think so like i i don't mind like just here's a look at man look at all the 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 parallels um sure i i, I don't think so i think i like how layered it is I, I enjoy watching the movie each time and going and focusing more on one on one theme over another and i don't know watching it play out it's uh it it's like a yeah, maybe if it was an episode of The Twilight Zone, you would only have one of those themes and not all of them. But, you know, two hours, it's good. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, it's one of those things where, like, I appreciate the religion versus science debate, but you ultimately didn't really necessarily need to have that for the ape who's, uh, what's, what's his name, Dr. Zeus. Zeus, there you go, thank you. Uh, Dr. Zeus, like, you didn't necessarily need the religious aspect for him to like denounce everything. You could, you he could denounce everything without the religious element being added. And even though I do think it works and it does work very well, uh, I'm just trying to give an example of how you could sort of focus it a little bit and leave one of those elements out. But yeah, so but that's that's kind of it though. I, I don't have a whole lot. Uh, maybe I don't know. Heston's character, like you say, he's got the odd line here or there where it's kind of like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That is least. that because you don't like Heston though, because of like personal reasons, or no? I mean, he like I mean, I, I don't particularly like Heston <laughs> in real life, yeah. or or I didn't, I guess, because you know. He's, he's well, sure, forever. I don't either, but I mean, I love yeah. Charles Heston old like Hollywood films. I love Tam Commandments. I'm not a religious person. Never, never been a part of my life. 
but I, I love that movie. <laughs> I've never seen Ten Commandments. Uh, I've, if I could get the four hours back, I wasted on Ben Hur. I would. <laughs> yeah, I've never. Um, ben Hur was always one of those films that I it would come on TV and I would always catch it like after it started and it was before a time that I would record and or but like to plan answer, to watch it. So, <laughs> but to answer your question, I think Taylor is intentionally kind of the way he is because I, I, I think, think it's it's part like of the he, character. He introduces himself as that kind of guy. Yeah, he's, he's so arrogant and he gets stuff done and he's definitely a leader because he'll just step over anyone to get there. But I think I think knowing what Heston's like in real life though does add kind of an underlayer to it. You know, mm-hmm. when he's saying certain things or doing certain things, you know, it's, it's, it's especially hard not to like, when he, when he grabs one of the guns and says, I'm pretty good with this thing, it's, it's hard not to sort of chuckle a little bit because of his, his whole NRA he's background right. and... Yeah. You know, uh, you know, they can pry it from my cold dead hands. It's, it's hard not to think of that stuff, and it, it's not something you should judge the movie for necessarily, but it's, it's something that's just impossible just not to th- enter your head if you know that stuff. It's hard not to think about it a little bit as as he's saying certain things. Uh, so it's not a complaint so much as it's just more of a, you know, like a footnote observation because it's hard not to or pretend sure. that that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, that's what it is. Um, in many ways, this is probably his ideal leading lady in Nova. You know, a, a, a love interest <laughs> a who doesn't speak. A beautiful young woman who doesn't speak. Yeah. Um, is she like the most beautiful person ever on screen? Oh my God. I was so amazed by her. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think what would be a funny, like, no, because this person exists. But yeah, okay, fine. You don't want me to make my joke. Okay. I'll move on. Uh, <laughs> She is crazy beautiful. And she was having an affair with one of the producers of the film and got pregnant. So there are scenes where she is like visibly pregnant in the movie and they had to like cover it up and hide it because <laughs> she was starting, she was so skinny. So she was starting to show pretty early. I have a, I have a, and she's also wearing like a, a cloth <laughs> basically. Yeah, <she's> <laughs> so I have a question like, is I don't mean to belittle her achievement of getting the role here, but like, did she get the role because of her affair with the producer, well, or was that something that happened what we after? Know about movie producers, I don't know necessarily that it was her fault. <laughs> I mean, that's also true. I mean, because you said affair, which implied consent, but I mean, I don't know. Like, like he was married, I think. He was married okay. at the time, yeah, and then uh, knocked up the actress, and uh, they they were married for like nine years and had two kids didn't work out obviously but um, yeah uh yeah. i i mean there's, there's nothing good about that story <laughs> uh, <laughs> nothing good about it and i i, I and the sad I part like I, I mean the sad part is is that i, I like we, we say that the way movie producers can be like i have to imagine though to you know, give it a name the weinsteining if you will mm-hmm. i can only imagine that was even worse the further you oh, go yeah. back I don't imagine it was better in 1968 than it was later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There well, are, there are like um uh news like news clippings of I think Vivian Lee because she left uh she left Hollywood for a while because she said she just couldn't handle all like what the producers expected of her and this is from you know she was in Gone with the Wind and um uh, what is it um. Uh, that Marlon Brando movie, Stella. Streetcar, Streetcar named Desire? Desire. Yeah, Streetcar. And, you know, that was 
old Hollywood. And it was happening then. Oh, where okay. she like she said she couldn't like bear to to be in Hollywood anymore because she was tired of everyone grabbing her ass all the time. Doesn't surprise me. Sadly, it doesn't yeah. surprise me. But I, mean, I guess it adds because one of the things that stuck out to me in this actually is is the way they kept referring to her as the female. Like even even once he was technically in love with her, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, because even even that has this cynical like sort of dark undertone to it, where he's kind of like, looking at her like through the cage at one point, and he's like. You know, I never really loved anyone. There's plenty of love making, plenty of women, but never at love. And it's hard not to be like, yeah, so you're falling for the one who can't speak back. Like <laughs> I don't know, it's hard not to take this in that side. I never of... really buy that he that he loves her. I don't know. I never got bought that relationship as but, well, yeah, like, now do she I, obviously really. loved him. But like he I mean he cares about her because he, he tries to save her. In. Yeah, but does he care about her in the same way that you care about a pet? Because it kind of feels like that at times. Yeah, it really does. It comes across as that at times. And maybe it's because she was, you know, sleeping with the producer and Charlton Heston didn't want to get too close. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. I. Yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, so I, I hope Linda Harrison's time wasn't that rough. I'll just say that. That's just the actress. Who, by the way, despite the fact that she has a decent amount of screen time, she's like eighth on the cast list. Well, she has no lines. <laughs> that is, I mean, technically, that's true. Yes, uh, which is actually how they define. I hope like, she got paid. How, <laughs> how much an extra gets paid is actually dictated if they have a line or not. So I'd hope right. that when she, you have a a role like that that's quite prominent but it has no lines, I hope they don't like have like a well technically you're an extra honey. Yeah, <laughs> technically you're an extra. This is good exposure. Indeed. Uh, all right, well, I didn't expect to go down that dark path, but uh, I guess we should finally stop dancing around things. I will give the spoiler warning. Before we get start the spoiler section, though, I will thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to David Shaw, Alison M. Fordyce, Cindy Palacios, and Tyler Hess. They're all patrons at $20 or above, which means they get producer credits. Uh, although, unlike the producers in this film, they're not uh, coercing... Don't don't make assumptions. Anyone. <laughs> yes. Uh <laughs> They're not movie producers, they're podcast producers. Podcast producers are much nicer, mainly because they have almost no power. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, Tara, uh, they could be patrons for much less than that. Why don't you tell them all about Indeed. it? If you enjoy watching us review science fiction movies, then you should check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash TV. And donating as little as $1 per month will get you bonus episodes of The Ace. So you can watch uh, watch us review more Mystery Science Theater adjacent films, some actual Mystery Science Theater films, um, such as, which one have we done that's like Mystery Science Theater? Oh, we did The Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. We did um, some Car David Carradine ones, like Future Force and... What was it not death race it was uh death sport death sport um so yeah and if you're wondering where the transfer saga is <laughs> we are working our way through those on the bonus episodes there's quite a back catalog so you left that out. to last on purpose <laughs> i did because <laughs> you're doing a thing and i hate it <laughs> and um if you donate up to five dollars then you get even more you get all that plus you get to vote on what we're going to watch once a month and uh you'll get these episodes a week early so check it out it was almost perfect 
It was almost perfect. I hate perfect. you so much. You get the episodes a day early, not a week early, a day early. Oh. When did it switch to a day? Ages ago. Oh. <laughs> well, you'll get episodes of the Twilight Zone if you're watching Planet of the Apes, then you probably like the Twilight Zone. You get those a week early for your $5 donation. Hey. Thank you very much. First of all, I love that you say thank you very much at the end. Uh, <laughs> now, like, honestly, after the travesty that was that, that version you did in like a Twilight Zone an episode or two ago, where you just completely buckled and said everything wrong, <laughs> that was pretty good, but it was almost perfect. It was almost oh perfect. I, I felt it was pretty good. Yeah. Oh, dear. Okay, so, full spoilers then, for, for Planet of the Apes. So, yeah, it's Earth the whole time. <laughs> so. Oh my god. I was wrong. It was Earth all along. <laughs> I would love to see it without knowing, because watching it knowing it, there's so much foreshadowing. Yeah. There's it's, so I much... shot an arrow into the air. It's third from the sun. It's <laughs> the invaders. It's all these Twilight Zone episodes we watched. I love how you're just spoiling multiple episodes of Twilight Zone <laughs> in one fell swoop. Yep. Oh, I love it. So... We're in the spoiler, or spoiler-free section. No, no, spoiler section. <laughs> I had to write the first time. Yes. Uh, not for everything ever made, though. Let me just reiterate that. But there was some controversy in the Bloodshot review. I just want to keep that clear. Oh, where I said Guy Pierce always plays a villain. <laughs> and you started giving examples. Yeah. Memento. <laughs> <laughs> That's not really a spoiler. <laughs> it's such a good movie, and you're spoiling how it ends. It's such a good the movie. spoiler section. I'm gonna spoil it every episode. It's, it's not. It's, do I have to give a spoiler warning for Memento? Every every episode's like so. Full spoilers for Platinum. Also, it, yeah. also Memento, just in case. Also, just say like full spoilers. We don't know what we're gonna bring up. You can't like, do that. You can't. You can't just spoil anything at random. Make sure you watch everything before you watch it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yes, uh, everything is Earth the whole time. Uh, this is actually just the future. Uh, actually, I've got a qu- I've got a question. Right, so they they are in like cryo sleep for like two thousand years, and they wake up with beards, which makes sense. However, if hair kept growing for two thousand years, the beards would surely be like unreasonably long well sure but they're i mean so would their nails and so would like they would have aged too which no, they do they aged slowly though no no, no I, I i can car that's also an issue but so because the guy has gray hair that they comment yes, on also but they could just not have anything happen and i'll just buy the and cry i'll sleep at all pauses it all freezes so nothing happens yeah. But, inst- but they get- I think they're just implying that it just happens a lot slower. Yeah, but I think go- they even say that. But they go out of their way to give them beards that are just kind of like you know relatively. Th- I mean, the, 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 maybe I'd say they're like six months of growth. Yeah, we'll just work through the movie, I guess. Uh, I was going to make a point about the ending, but I'm sure I'll make it when Let's we actually get to the butts. There's so much butts in the opening. <laughs> so much butts. Well, I mean, once they get to the planet. Yeah, yeah, when, when they get to the, 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 the little spring that they find, there's, there's a lot of buzz. Hell, actually, 
if you're watching this in at least HD, there's some down. There's there's legit. This is a P. Look, PG. <laughs> it's a PG, and there's straight up dick in this movie. Yeah, there's down. Straight up, it's a wide shot, so it's not like super in your face, but there's definitely some dick in there. Does that DVD cover spoil the movie? It doesn't actually. I, I've critiqued this a lot because a lot of the DVDs do have the ending on the cover. This one does not. This yeah. one's just okay. uh, Cornelius and right. some other stuff at the bottom. Uh, hi, does the back spoil it though? Because that would equally be just as bad. No, it doesn't. The back doesn't either. So, because yeah. the box set I had on DVD was most definitely the front cover was just a Statue of Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, just. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend who had that too, and what the hell <laughs> just yeah just put a spoiler on the i mean that's like putting spoilers you maniacs why would you put that on there <laughs> spoilers for the six sense before i make this joke right full spoilers for the six sense when the spoilers i mean everyone knows it's, it's i'm considerate all right that'd be like if the six sense dvd cover literally just said on the front he's a ghost <laughs> the six sense or maybe they put like Bruce Willis on it, but he's sort of like grain faded as if he's like a vapor or something. Right. Like, something that makes it really obvious. Bruce Willis is a ghost in this movie. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so uh, we mentioned the the monologue at the start, uh, which sets things up and the, the, the day counter and all the rest of it. And we get uh, some stunning camera work. We get like a POV shot of the front of the ship as it's like spiraling out of control and it's like spinning and dancing and yeah. whatnot. Uh, and we get a whole section where they're waking up, the water's coming in because they've landed in the water and the woman, whatever her name was, because I can't remember. Stuart. There you go, sure. Uh, she, there was a crack in her, her containment and she just grew old and died in her sleep. Yeah. And she's long dead. And they're like, oh no, the woman's dead. What are we going to do now? <laughs> what are we going to do? Well, it quickly becomes very homoerotic. Yes, yes. There's a lot of homoerotic tension. <laughs> like, well, the woman's gone. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, what else are you going to do? Because uh, you know, there's a lot of like them traipsing around. There's the famous moment where he laughs, because this is a gift that I have used many a time, which is the, yeah. the camera sort of, sort of flying over him, going up to the sky as he laughs maniacally. Uh, which he does so at the planting of the little American flag in, in the ground. It's, it's, it's such a, a good little moment, because again, it's his jaded cynicism. He, he has a debate with uh, Landon here as well, because Landon was a scientist and he wanted to like, discover and like grow old, you know, be older than anyone else and all the rest of it. And he kind of picks apart at his reasoning, thinking he's better, because of course he does, because he's Taylor and he's Charlton Heston and he's all these things. Uh, there's some well, nice... There's, he's He's the hubris of man. Yes, yes. In a man form. In man form. <laughs> well, there are some nice visuals here, though. There's, there's uh, some really good stuff. It's actually like a really... I don't know if this is an intentional thing, but there's like a, a shot that mirrors a shot at the end of the movie. Because at the end of the movie, one of the big shots when he finds the Statue of Liberty is that it's sort of looking at him through two of the... Uh, mm -hmm. The spikes? I don't know what you call them. The thing around the head. Crown? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, specifically the, the two of the, the actual parts of it, right? The point. Yeah, the points, right. He's in between the two points. There's a shot here where they're like they're going down the water and it's like in like the middle of a big uh like mm -hmm. ravine. And it's like it's this beautiful shot with these, you know, the rock faces on either side and them in the middle. It's a very similar I don't know, when I saw it at the end, the idea of him him being in between these two parts kinda of reminded me of that mm -hmm. shot from earlier on in the movie. Um I appreciate that. Uh 
But anyway, uh, so some good visuals here, and of course they eventually find a spring, and they strip down immediately and run in. So there's a lot of ass, and then when the humans that show up steal their clothes and run off with their supplies, they go running after them, completely butt-ass naked. Uh, <laughs> so there is the aforementioned dong, as, uh, as Tara would point out. And... We find these humans and they're eating fruit and some some vegetables and they can't speak. And they're totally silent. Yeah, to- totally it's silent. Weird. And Heston's eyeing up Nova. He's already spotted her. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, okay, that's a love interest. We've, we've, we've nailed that right at the start. And at least she's not immediately in love with him. It's not like a Stargate thing. True. At least that would make more sense here, though, given how primitive they are. Where okay, it would just be there's attraction on a raw primitive level. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, well, that that sort of plays out, you know. He protects her, um, and she just eventually is just like, "Okay, you're my mate." Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Zira's hoping they'll mate, so. Yeah. Exactly. She, she puts him in the cage because she wants to. Good she, thing she knows which one the hot one is. <laughs> <laughs> well, because even she's like, "Oh, I got you a gift, bright eyes." Because that's what she calls him because he's got bright eyes. Uh, it gives him gives him Nova. Uh, but they, I, I appreciate that they, even though the movie's called Planet of the Apes, even though if you've, if you're seeing this, you're watching this movie, you know that we're going to get apes. I do like that it kind of plays with the, like, building up to seeing them for the first time. We sort of see glimpses yeah, of what I they're like doing the, first. I like the scarecrow element that you see first. Like, the, uh, it, they look kind of like Blair Witch symbols or something mm. up on top of the hill. But they, they look, you know, creepy. Like, they, they would... I don't know if they were made by humans or by apes to to act as like a um, a warning, but it's it's a cool visual too. Yeah, absolutely. It's the first sign of life in the movie before you see like you see the humans first, and then you get the really cool reveal of the apes. Yeah, you, you see them sneaking around first, and then of course all the stuff we mentioned, and then everyone kind of gets captured. Uh, some humans get killed, and this is what leads us to our you know, and he, obviously it's as he's in the like the little. Uh, cart that's going to get pulled by horse that he hears two of the apes talking because they're taking a photo they're, they're, they're like hunters taking their photos of their their, mm-hmm. their game that they've, they've shot uh so it, it, like all that another stuff commentary another commentary yeah <laughs> i mean there's not a lot of the hunting stuff but that that moment definitely felt very specific yeah. so mm-hmm. but of course this is where the movie really gets going though because this is where he's in the cage he can't speak because he gets like a you get like grazed in the neck so he can't his vocal cords are are damaged he can't speak and there, there is a little bit of frustration here for me because there's so many points where he could do a lot more stuff with his hands to make it clear what he's trying to say to, to Zira because he, cause he's, he's sort of like reaching for the pad and the pen at one point because he wants to write something down. And I, all, all I could think in my head was, well, just, just do this with your hand to make it clear that you want to write something and she'll probably give it to you willingly. But instead he well, sort of grabs at it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, you know, in a panic state. Uh, sure. We'll go with that. But, I mean, maybe I'm not picking. It's just one of those things I was watching. I, I like that he does, like, try to, like, write on the ground and stuff, too, but everything else is kind of getting in his way. Mm. Yeah, people don't see it. It's that, it's got, it's got kind of, like, uh, satisfyingly frustrating element of, like, you know, it's like, oh, it's like he almost had them oh, co- yeah. convinced. And then it gets scrubbed away because Zola thinks, oh, no, I'll clean this for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can write things, too. <laughs> yeah, look at me. Uh, so... This is kind of where we get to learn about this, the ape society. We learn that there is kind of a, a hierarchy based on the different types of apes. 
uh, the chimpanzees being kind of the bottom of the, the, the ladder, as it were. And then we have uh, the gorillas are kind of the, the guards and the, the military force kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, we, don't, we don't get every type of ape uh, in this movie. There's basically just the, th- the three types. But, uh, like, it definitely sets up the, the, the class system. It sets up kind of this... This society, which... Because even, even Taylor points out later, because later on when, he, like... Uh, Doctor Zeus is talking about how uh, you know tell us why because he's trying to prove that he's not intelligent once he's once he's speaking like uh, tell us why apes are created equal and he kind of smirks and goes uh, some apes are more equal than others it would seem you know which yeah. obviously is a very poignant uh, statement to make yeah like the chimpanzees seem like they're like the the working class and then the gorillas are like the military and then of course the the people who make the law the lawgivers are all the orangutans. At least that's the three that we can see at this, whatever this society is. Yeah, obviously the new trilogy introduced some more types uh, mm-hmm. for, for variants, but it, all this stuff is is fascinating because it, it kind of leads to like a lot of the actual science fiction ideas of the movie, uh, particularly sure. the debating of like should Taylor have rights and anything that challenges the yeah. idea that has scripture. Because this is where the religion comes into it. Because every time they suggest that, because it's uh, Cornelius is a uh, is uh, engaged to Zira, and he is the one who's a bit of a scientist and archaeologist, and he's found this dig site out in the Forbidden Zone, and he's convinced that there was civilization here before apes, which would so- sort of go against their Bible, their scripture, which says that, you know, apes this, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. Zeus, every chance he gets, he's like, no, anything that suggests that the, the scripture's wrong is blasphemy, and we cannot accept it. This is ridiculous. We can't accept any of these these things. And this human can't have come from somewhere else, and he couldn't have been this, and he couldn't have been that. All the rest of it, and to the point where it gets really frustrating. Yeah. Like, watch every time it comes up, and he st- he just poops it every time. Yeah, yeah. Well, there. I mean, there is that scene in the trial where they're. I mean, I'm kind of skipping ahead here, but like, there is a. It it almost plays for for laughs. Like the three orangutans are doing the hear no evil, see no evil, mm. speak no evil. Um, I don't want to call it a meme because it's much older than that. <laughs> but they're doing that because they're hearing all this blasphemy from from what Cornelius is suggesting. Yeah. That. And then the whole time, like uh Taylor is saying that this is the planet where apes clearly evolved from humans. Yes. Which is you know, obviously and it's these things, like all, all this stuff is like like surely some audiences predicted the ending from this stuff because like a lot of this talking about this pre civilization and uh, it used to be, me- you know, men were smarter or whatever. Like, surely this stuff mm-hmm. had to be ringing some bells for some people. Sure, but maybe at the time, like, they just weren't expecting twist endings. Like, you just sort of accept that, you know, when you do an alien movie, of course they're going to speak English, because all aliens speak English. Otherwise, you can't write a movie. So we we have the luxury of having all of those twist endings already before we watch the new film, so... Well, you say that, but what if they'd seen some now, Twilight now Zone? Now you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, if they'd seen some Twilight Zone, they might have had more of an inkling. I can't, I can't really think of very many movies that had, like, a twist ending, with the exception of maybe Hitchcock before. Like, Yeah, Hitchcock definitely did. Um, I'm sure there's some. Maybe it was less common, but I'm, I'm sure there was some. I So, obviously there's a bunch of stuff here in this middle section of the film where he's trying to write and eventually does and you know zero wants to talk to him and he, he kind of like he, she sort of takes him back to like her 
like apartment or whatever you want to call it and the with Cornelius they're like trying to figure things out and Cornelius is very doubtful he doesn't want to believe this he's this is crazy but he can't argue with the fact that he's clearly talking to them via writing uh and he does make a big escape though at one point and makes a run for it we get a big chase sequence through like a museum area uh, yeah it's like a natural history museum <laughs> and we see this is where we see that dodge has been basically stuffed and put in here mm-hmm. although i will say this there's one moment where you can clearly see the actors who are playing the the supposedly stuffed humans shaking as i try to stay still uh even dodge you can see it a little bit yeah he's uh, pretty good though yeah, I think he was better than some of the other ones because there was it's one it's like a, it's like a, there's like a, a like two or three people and one was like holding a stick or something and that one was especially noticeable because the stick yeah. was moving I up and down. But and this is where it builds up to the, the famous moment where he's like, ah, get your you know paws off me, you damn dirty ape. Uh, yeah. Which do you know what's so funny is this is a good moment and it's really satisfying seeing the ape's reaction, but it almost like suffers now in hindsight. Because for me, this is now just the setup for the even better version of this that we get in another film later. <laughs> because I love the callback to this later. But yeah. it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. Uh, and of course, this is what leads to the trial. And I was even thinking of it. Obviously, this didn't, this didn't exist yet. But I was even thinking of Measure of a Man a little bit when they were talking yeah. about, should, should, should Taylor have rights? It's like, no, he's, he's not an ape. He should have no rights. Yeah, but you're you're trying him for something so if you're if, he, if he's accused and he's in court then <laughs> surely he should have rights to go along with that <laughs> yeah yeah smart yeah that's smart that i don't smart. think that was even brought up in measure of a man that argument <laughs> that's true yeah yeah picard missed the beat by not bringing that up you're right yeah yeah uh <laughs> well that's it now because they wasn't accused of something he it was more determining what he was classified as sure so I, I don't think that argument would have worked in that sense. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. He, so, he's, the, he's the accused. He's standing on trial. And it, it is a little strange. I think everybody acknowledges that this is not something that should exist. But we should, even though we all acknowledge that he's speaking and he's a human, that we'll just write this off as some weird mutation and say, and call it a day. Like, wipe our hands clean. like, And then it'll never happen. And the corruption element of this, of course, is that Zeus, when we when he wants to see he wants to see uh, Taylor on his own, and it's like, okay, we've basically decided that you're blasphemous, and we're going to lobotomize yeah. you. But I can and, I can make that. But he talks to him like he's like a like I don't want to say humanely, but like he, he talks to him like uh like he's a real person that he's well, equal with him. You there's, know, there's even a moment where Taylor thanks him for calling him Taylor because up until this point, he's been you know. He's referring to him as an animal or referring to him as the beast or, or something, whatever, right? Yeah. But he calls him Taylor at one point and he actually thanks him for it. But this scene is very interesting because this is kind of the scene that implies that Zeus probably knows some of the truth. Maybe not exactly, but he clearly knows more than he's letting on. And he wants to know where we're more of... More, if, if there's more of this kind that can speak, if there's more of these intelligent humans, he wants to know about them so he yeah. can do he something about it. He doesn't want to know like, what planet he came from. He wants to know where he came from on their planet yeah and this idea that he wants to be able to deal with them and he wants to sort of snuff out any idea that the ape kind isn't like the perfect kind that was blessed by their god to be the the superior animal and and all these things so you get this idea of corruption and 
you know, you know like, how often do we see things where it feels like the government is just lying, or they're just covering something up, or they're just... Alien. Very blatantly as well, aliens. <laughs> wasn't the example I was... I don't think so. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> the example I was going with, but... Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you have uh, this idea that creeps in, and I, I really like... And, you know, I think a lot of the movies we talk about, we tend to like go through it kind of like almost scene for scene. This one I'm not quite doing that with because I feel like each scene for scene on its own isn't that. You know, I feel like t- taking more of the ideas as a whole is far more interesting with this one. I, I don't know if like the scenes themselves, like, because I'm this middle part of the movie, I'm kind of just bundling it together and saying, here's kind of the, the ideas that it introduces, here's the core premises that it has, and. I wonder if it's because like all the sets look exactly the same, so it, it kind of like blurs together the scenes do. It may be. It, it may be it's yeah. difficult to remember the order because ultimately it leads to uh, Zira and uh, Cornelius getting their their nephew to to break out <laughs> Taylor, who actually Before he gets lobotomized. Yeah. Who introduces this idea of the younger generation, and that's something that it becomes more kind of interface because I, I think. Obviously, once we know it's the same planet and that the apes are, in a way, the younger generation, in a sense, mm-hmm. uh, who replaced the humans because of humans' own hubris and, uh, you know... The ap- maniacs. Apocalyptic mistakes <laughs> that they've made. Uh, but, you know, it, it clearly brings these themes back into the fold where he says, yeah, I never trust anyone over 30 and, and things like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know? The young new ideas and... Like, is that because if anything, the arc of the film for Taylor is almost that he accepts that the younger generation has to challenge the old guard, realizing that in this civilization, especially like these younger scientists and this this nephew, like they have to challenge the 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 establishment because the way it is is just broken and unfair and biased mm-hmm. and like all, almost goes unquestioned. Where anything they say is just taken as law, is taken as as scripture again to use that word. Uh, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a critique on religion, it's a critique on all these things, uh, it's a critique on the state and religion being mixed together. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the ending really is a... The, the, because of the twist ending, we get, like, the hubris of, of, of Taylor, even, where he talks down to the generation before him, or, like, he, he's talking down to the apes because he he thinks that he's better than them, but really, like he's part of that generation that made everything worse. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely there. And he he even like you know says, "Hey, do you want to come with me?" As as I try and like find a potential you know forest or jungle beyond the forbidden zone. And they're like, "Nah, like as as flawed as this is, this is our culture, and we have to try and fix it. We have to try and change it rather than you know just abandon it." Uh, which yeah. is essentially what he did. You know, he he literally just abandoned the Earth <laughs> and, <Yeah>. and left <laughs> on a spaceship uh, instead of trying to help fix it. And sort yeah. of like, I, I guess uh, three I, atoms and one Eve. <laughs> I guess in a weird way, you you could kind of like draw a parallel there to someone who just tries to t- stay out of like any sort of politics. They're just like, oh no, I I, I don't want to be involved because it's too much to consider. I don't want to talk about any of it. That you can yeah. all, you can no, almost it's too difficult to change things. So let's just start a new planet. <laughs> yeah essentially yeah uh, uh, but he you know he, he goes off with with nova and of course finds the statue of liberty and realizes that oh wait we did this and 
you know, not that, I mean, I'm not saying if he'd stayed, like, he would have been the one voice that convinced everyone to, like, lay down their nuclear arms and not annihilate the planet. But, yeah. uh, but the idea being that just, that, yes, like, you abandoned it, and some point after you left, like, humanity did not get better. It, it, it deteriorated to this point, and yeah. boom, it went, and everything's all yeah. gone. You're not, you're not holier than thou. You're not better than these apes, you know? No. no. In, in theory, like, uh, the one of the things that I love about the ending is the added scripture from the lawgiver that Dr. Zayas gives to Cornelius to read about how, like, man is dangerous. Like, yeah, he's he's more than just what you, what the humans that you see who are primitive, and you have to keep them in check, or they will, you know, bring, they will destroy anything that, <laughs> if they get some power, and I. I love that part of the ending. Yeah, I think what I like about that is that that again kind of sides with the idea is that it, it like it doesn't even have to be true. The idea that yeah. like they're in power and they're so scared that the idea that they wrote into their scripture that no, we have to keep this other uh, race down because if they get too much power, it might challenge our power. So we have to like treat them as if they're the boogeyman. And yeah, I'm not going to say that that's very relevant. Uh, necessarily right now as we record this uh, on well you the... said race and not species so <laughs> as in the human race sure okay yeah. <laughs> as in the human race but i i think there's definitely you know those parallels there and shockingly oh, still definitely. still relevant uh very relevant in fact as we record this yeah so you know there's, there's definitely those layers there and i, I loved uh, the moment although I do have to call it out. I'm sure I said this the last time I talked about this movie, but the battery in this doll is like super powered. <laughs> no, maybe it's a maybe it's like a wind up, or like one of the the strings that you pull. Okay, she only says one thing. I mean, true, but like even still, though, it's been down there for like two thousand years in this cave because they go they go, they go to this cave that. Uh, that uh, Cornelius was digging up and they go back out there to try and sort of prove that there was this civilization. And I think if you didn't get the, the twist ending before, I think when we start seeing things and, and Taylor starts saying, oh, this, this, is, this is a pair of glasses, this is a, a pacemaker, this is a, a <laughs> this is a, what was the other thing he brings up? Uh, um, false teeth. Fake, fake yeah. teeth, yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, this is starting to feel really odd. But I do love the moment, though. As much as it's a little bit silly that this doll still works, I do mm-hmm. love it because, because you know, Zeus is like, ah, no, 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 like you know, my 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 grandchildren play with human dolls. That's just a normal thing. But then, of yeah. course, the, the it says mummy, and it's like, hey, would I build a a doll that could talk? And of course, after this, he just wants to burn it all or or cave it in. I suppose is more accurate, but. He just yeah. wants to erase it. He just wants to wipe any evidence of his existence and have everyone go back to living the lie because that's what he sees as being safe. And he sort of, in a way, like convinces Cornelius and um, Zia. What's her name? Uh, Zira. Zira. That that or, is. It may be it may be Zira, admittedly, but I I, I would pronounce that Zira no, based on the I think, text. I think you're right. I think it's Zira. Uh, I think I think they. They understand why, at mm. least you know, to 
to a point like they they don't think it's the right thing to do but they understand why he thinks it's the right thing to do this is where uh no admittedly there's no necessarily a sense of humans being eaten in this but i still think this is maybe where your vegan sensibilities kind of come into it this idea that well we can't let everyone know that humans may actually be smart because then they might complain that we're lobotomizing them and and sticking the museums mm-hmm. and doing all this other nasty shit experimenting to them. yeah yeah so I think there's there's that element to it as well, which also yeah, there's very little about this ending that's actually happy or hopeful. Everything about it is like, oh no, yeah, like because we 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 end with uh, Cornelius and Zira, they're going back to be on tri- put on trial for helping Taylor and for this blasphemous like theory mm-hmm. of his, and then Taylor finds the Statue of Liberty and realizes that his home is screwed, like, and because he was he was so flippant at the start of the movie where he's like, oh, everything you and you land and. It's all been dead for two thousand years. It's all dust, mm-hmm. and he's, he's just he's so flippant and clearly doesn't give a shit about it. But then he gets to the end of the movie, and holy boy, does he care! Like he's like yeah. absolutely. Like, I think it's like seeing like what, again what he saw as a primitive species, like being better and higher up in the food chain and all the rest of it, and in this society and being treated the way he is. I think the idea that okay, at least I know my my earth, my civilization was much more advanced and it was better and it probably mm-hmm. prospered long after I was gone. And then finding this and finding out that probably relative sheer devastation yeah. and anger and yeah, and you know humility. And probably relatively soon after he left as well, assuming it's still the Cold War and all the all the other yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's set a little bit in the future. I think when they leave, I can't remember what date it said in the the, the ship at I the start. I think it's seventy two or something. Like it's not that bit, far. In the yeah. No, but I think that's where the ending works so well. It it, it it recontextualizes what the movie's kind of been saying up until that point about mm-hmm. just about everything it's been talking about. Um, yeah. And it does all kind of click together because it all it, it kind of recontextualizes his view on Earth and the human race and how they messed up, and then what the apes are going through and the idea that the apes inevitably might get to that point too mm-hmm. but maybe they're better off without a human being that's like this influencing them because clearly it didn't do us any good <laughs> yep we are not the example turns out <laughs> yeah i mean there's maybe hope yeah i don't know i i i love the ending i think for all the reasons that you stated and it i think the movie if you've only watched it once like i think you it deserves a rewatch when mm. you know the ending if you didn't already know going in you know which would be unfortunate but yes all, all, all I, dozen of you who who to managed to watch this in the last 10 years without knowing <laughs> what the ending was uh watch it again hey i see like people like uncles and stuff post videos on youtube of kids like finding out about darth vader and empire that's true well, <laughs> and I, their reaction and stuff and put it on youtube and it's wonderful like they just they clearly didn't sure. know when they were like 10 I mean, obviously, yes, there's us movie nerds who, if we have kids, will make a point of getting to them you quickly. all the Planet of the Apes movies. Yeah, but you do it early enough that, okay, I know they've not been influenced yet and they've not seen any spoilers. Like, So, you know what? I'm just going to show you Sixth Sense at seven just so you, you don't know what's going to happen at the end. <laughs> just buckle in. Yeah, you got to watch, gotta watch Planet of the Apes, Sonic Green, uh, <laughs> Star Wars, and <laughs> Sixth Sense. I don't know if any others are. Maybe Psycho. Uh, <laughs> ah, Star Wars can wait. Psycho's a little early. I'm, I'm going to intentionally show every single thing set in space that's not Star Wars before they see Star Wars, just so that Star Wars feels at the... the but that's the... like the right age to watch Star Wars. <laughs> hmm. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You're, okay. 
You're going to watch Firefly. <laughs> oh, your poor children. How <laughs> dare you? How dare you? I, I guess we're pretty much at, we're at ratings in terms of like the, the plot, but is, is there any other like themes or ideas you want to talk about or any other little touch? Actually, there's one little touch I want to talk about in the, the, just the, the camera work here at the end uh, that I really love. I, I mean, mm. I, lo I love the way it reveals the Statue of Liberty, like seeing the, the, the spikes of the, the crown and all the rest of it, but uh, basically the last thing that Zeus says to... Uh, or not the last thing he says, sorry, but the last thing that they do is they blow up the, the, the cave, right? They cave it in. Mm -hmm. So that's the end of that scene. And it goes from the cave blowing up and crumbling and sort of like, okay, that's it, shut off forever. He's erased this. It cuts to a shot of the shore washing out and in. And it's just mm -hmm. a simple little transition shot because often you often talk about the shore, like, you know, wiping things away and like, yeah. you know, yeah. resurfacing and flat, you know. So it's just a wonderful little, you know, uh, thematic transition that I love uh, yeah. the camera work. I, I really think the, the movie looks like stunning. Like I love all the set pieces. Uh, I love it. You know, it does look a, a lot like, uh, because everything's sort of the color of dirt. <laughs> like there's, <laughs> Like a lot of the scenes do kind of blend together, but it's it's still a really beautiful film. Like it, it, I think it's shot very much like a western. And like you're right, the reveals are are dramatic and slow. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm not really sure what I'm looking at. And then you know, it pans out to have the big reveal. Even when the apes first show up on horseback, you're like, it, like you know what it is because you're watching Planet of the Apes. But getting the the first reveal of the ape is also very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and he, you know, even when he like finds the uh, like Landon, because they, they let him look at like the, the other humans that they've got, and he tries mm -hmm. to talk to him, and Landon doesn't say it, and then he turns around and he's got this big giant like scar that they've operated on his head, and like he he's, he's, yeah. he, he, he just flies for uh, for Zeus. He wants to he wants to kill him. He's, he's he, he can't take this. Yeah. So yeah, you know, we see him get broken down, and it's, it's one of those things where it works that he's. Like, obviously, yes, he's Charlton Heston. That's why they, they cast him, because he is kind of that typical, like, hero mm -hmm. for a Hollywood movie. But the character, as written, isn't really that. And I think it's one of the rare exceptions where having someone who isn't that, isn't as likable, necessarily, mm -hmm. as... you Because know, this would be a completely different movie if this was, like, a really sympathetic character that we really cared about and we really wanted to... Yeah, if Landon was the one who survived, then mm. it would be in a different film entirely. And I don't know if it would have been as good. Like I like that, that he that that Taylor really does represent like what we think of an American who is like full of himself, arrogant, but like maybe justifiably arrogant, and like he gets stuff done. Like he's definitely the leader, you know, because other people have to listen to him, but they do. They respect him, and you know he he's he's got that like militaristic attitude. Like he probably would make a great general, but with the interesting caveat that he wants, to, he's essentially wanted to abandon Earth, and even mm -hmm. the way he laughs when he yeah, sees he's still flawed, you know. But, but what I mean is, when you see him like laughing at the the flag being planted, the little flag, and he just laughs it off like that's ridiculous. Like who cares now? Like you know, yeah. like I don't think he necessarily even, like because usually when you think of a like, typical American hero, they still they they're very pro American and they're, they're... well, sure they would be more like Superman and stuff, but yeah. like this is he's he's more of a cowboy i think you know he, he is like i i think john wayne probably could have played taylor 
I, oh yeah, I but what, they... what what I mean is though is he's given up the idea of America. He doesn't care about it anymore. Like what that's what I'm saying sure. is interesting. Uh, like Superman's a very different character, but this is like e- even this type of character, even your your military man would be very pro America, be very you know stars and stripes yeah. and all the rest of he's it. Not like like George Scott or something, like George C. Scott's character or anything like that. But uh, like he, he he literally laughs off the idea of planting the flag. Like it doesn't like it doesn't right. mean anything anymore. Why do you, why are you doing that? Well, plus it's like the littlest flag. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but because he even says later on, you know, when he says because they say, "Oh, can you take us out to where you land?" He's like, well, "You're not going to find much. You might find a little rubber dinghy, and you might find a little American flag." And he sort of like yeah. s- says what it is, but it again, it's like he he considers that nothing. Like it's not worth finding, kind of thing. He's given up on his home world uh, and his home yeah. country. So. I, I think that's a really interesting dynamic for your main character in this, and it works. It's the sort of thing where you definitely have Twilight Zone episodes with characters who are unlikable, and I think Twilight Zone got sure. away with it because they had a different story every week. They could try a bunch of different types of character. You know, they had likable characters, they had unlikable mm-hmm. characters, they had. Well, even the I shot an arrow into the air episode, which oh. you know is very much like this one. The the guy that survives. Oh my god, am I frozen? You are, yes. <laughs> oh, have I been frozen like this? Ah, about. Let's... 20 Amazing. seconds, 30 seconds. <laughs> well, anyway, even in that uh, in that episode, I shot an arrow into the air. The the astronaut that survives is not the one that is the leader and the one or the one who like sees everybody as we need to we need to save the weak and help them. Like it's the one who steps over everybody. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> the right. One who, the one who like uh, w- would be willing to kill his fellow man in order to survive and because that's the only thing that matters and you know not a likable guy at all but the one who survives so yeah and and you know taylor's not as far gone as that you know he wasn't you know he, no. he still he still cared about his, his comrades but yeah sure. he's definitely yeah, inching towards that kind of character for sure the things that were important to people who were i don't want to say brainwashed but like uh maybe <laughs> patriotism it doesn't really matter when you're on another planet. Yeah. So no, I, I think the uh, the the harsh ending and sort of re- like him realizing that humanity has failed and that all of his hubris is for nothing. It all means nothing. Is yeah. It's like that. That's what finally really breaks him. No, it's not everything mm-hmm. that happened before. It's this that really break broke him. And you know, he he. It's, it's like he he's proud of his freedom once he gets it because he like, he grabs a gun and he's like, I I know I'm never going to be taken again. And, you know, so he's, he's at his highest moment because he thinks he's beat Zeus, he's tied up Zeus, he's held him hostage, he's, he's been given all this food and ammo to survive for a, a, yeah, a week. Yeah, he's outsmarted people, or yeah. people, apes, outsmarted the apes and survived. He's on top of the world, and then the ending just... He's got the girl. <laughs> him. Yes, yes. Yeah. Which was relatively, relatively easy in this movie. It was just, come with me, yeah, woman, and that was about... You're my mate now. Yes. <laughs> so... Uh, um, that's yeah. probably what drew uh, Heston to this character. He probably read that in the script and went, "Yep, I relate to this this character." Mm. Yes, I think I think Heston probably respected women a little bit more, but I don't know. Maybe I just want to think that. <laughs> probably just want to think that. Uh, so um, I heard that they um, actually had multiple endings for this movie written out, and Charlton Heston is the one who who chose the darkest ending because he liked it the best. Hey, if you like it the best, you like it the best. Uh, it is interesting given his life and you know who he was in the real world. 
it's interesting all of the the messages this movie is actually kind of imparting uh along with that um, I, I I guess some of the ideas of being able to fight back does appeal to him, given like you know people who are heavy into the NRA. One of their big things is often that oh well, we can always fight back if the government ever <laughs> like you know there's, yeah. there's that whole thing. Militia. Yeah. So so maybe Being that's the up. maybe he read it differently. He he took something different from it than the rest of the world did. But yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting that the movie had a different ending at all because. I mean, so many of these themes work because of the ending. I'll be honest, depend, I mean, I don't know what the different endings were, but changing the ending may actually retroactively make the rest of the movie not work that well. You know, it may, yeah. you may get to the end and I be mean, like... I so, mean, so much of, the, of everything is about, like, like, this works so well because of the ending. Like, that's why I think it's really rewatchable. Yeah, because everything... Well, worse in two ways. There's so much teasing about this past civilization in a pure plot sense, but then there's all the stuff of like, okay, it's all about civilization and who has power, who doesn't, and the hubris specifically, and all of that yeah. comes crashing down at the end. If you don't have that at the end, and all of that build up to it would yeah. feel like it was a waste it's potentially. Like, um, that Ozymandias poem, which I only know because of Watchmen. Mm -hmm. It was the uh, look upon my works, you mighty in despair. It's the uh, just a you know an ancient relic of a, a city that doesn't exist anymore <laughs> it was like yeah somebody had a lot of power once and was very proud of what they accomplished and now it's just a desert <laughs> yeah that's nothing yeah or in yeah. the case of this movie now it's just a crater where several nuclear bombs <laughs> went off presumably because well, except for maybe one <laughs> what a tease for the next one for uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes yes I will admit I, I you know maybe because I grew up with these films like they get real campy and real hokey and the, the ape masks get real bad <laughs> mm. with each subsequent uh, sequel but uh, I do they do hold a special place in my heart. So I'm really excited to work through the franchise. I'm really glad that the Patreons voted for Apes. The Patreons. <laughs> uh, yes. I, I will say this as well. The second movie has another type of character that it has to do makeup on. So look forward uh -huh. to that. I'll just say yeah. there's some characters that feel like they belong on like a, a B-tier Star Trek episode. And we'll just leave yep. it there. <laughs> maybe C tier, maybe B tier has been too generous. So that's uh yeah, that's basically the movie. I'm sure there's the several facets that we could even go into further, but uh well I think we'll leave it there so we're not here for, you know, ever. But uh let's rate the movie then. What are you going to give Planet of the Apes? Well, it's kind of a, a hard one. No, it's not. It's a 10. I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is the epitome of great sci-fi. Uh, it definitely, you know, has some some things that are a product of its time. I don't really care. I love it. Uh, I think this is a perfect allegory and uh, wonderful, like, um, design work and uh, a vision of a post-apocalyptic future for us. I, I, I love this film. Okay. Even calling it post-apocalyptic is actually a spoiler in a way. In a way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to give it a 10. I, I, I think it's great. I think it's a special piece of cinema. It's, it, it really encapsulates a change in both the, the world and Hollywood and 
all these mm-hmm. things it's got so many themes to dive into so many so much subtext to kind of relish in and talk about the all the science fiction ideas it's not surprising that we compare it to twilight zone not just because of rod serling's involvement uh, but you can also compare it to Star Trek. Like, how many Star Trek episodes are about finding civilizations and cultures that are either more advanced or less advanced, and how they treat mm-hmm. Kirk and crew and so on? It, it, like a lot of science fiction that we're bringing up here, it, it, it provokes ideas. It makes you think. It challenges the ideas and the flaws and like what makes humans humans. Uh, the fact that half the characters, or more than half the characters in this case, are apes is just nothing but a science fiction metaphor for human beings. All of it's always about humans. And, yeah. So, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Uh, it's kind of what I've given it the last few times I've seen it, and I'm still going to give it that. Uh, and partly because there is room for improvement, and we'll get there much later in the series. So, I'll leave that there. Uh, let's just say I think very highly of some of the recent ones. So... <laughs> I think they know which one. <laughs> oh, I think they, I think they do. Uh, so, <clears throat> uh, yes. Yeah, so that is a uh, Planet of the Apes. So yes, they're very good. Uh, so I'll tell you what's coming next time uh, on the show. Next time we will be doing a Minority Report. So look out for that episode uh, next week. But uh, yeah, so uh, let us know what you think of Planet of the Apes in the comments below. Oh, we have. Uh, one quick new section actually at the end here uh, i almost forgot uh so tara make sure your head's not cut off when you do this at the top of the frame okay. right so lean back so this is just a quick little you know couple second bonus for the video people tara's going to do her pose for the thumbnail so i'm going to count down three two one and say pose and then she's going to pose and all you have to do tara is hold it for at least a second so that there's no blurring of motion all right so okay. <clears throat> three two one pose <laughs> this is all this is the second time we've done the pose segment and i i am actually almost embarrassed that it only took two tries before she did the f- hands on the face scream pose which you knew was going to come eventually but well it's got to come for for Planet of the apes for the twist ending yes i get yeah, it i mean it's a surprise uh it's a horror film in a way it's uh <laughs> You know, I mean, technically, we're we're not dealing with aliens, but for most of the movie, you think you are. I guess technically, I never really think about it. I guess because they just look like apes and humans, even though technically yeah. it may be on our planet in theory. But well, I mean, so many movies and TV shows at that time would be like, here are aliens. They're just like us, but they have like they live in rock caves and wear weird, sparkly outfits, and I don't know stuff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they play with theremins a lot. <laughs> or have big giant heads. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Apply the it's the comments. Uh, please do like on YouTube. Liking is important. It uh, lets YouTube know that you you think we are worth recommending out, and it will do so, so please do that. Uh, we mentioned Patreon earlier, of course. Patreon.com slash TV. so support us over there for as little as a dollar per month. And, of course, get us on Twitter, at the Ace Podcast, for random updates. Occasionally, I'll po- I've started posting clips occasionally on there as well uh, for some, you know, variation in content. Work out, get the social media game... Uh, improving i guess uh tara would you like to promote any other piece of mail fuzz tv content that you would recommend well we've already talked about twilight zone so and star trek so 
I guess if you if you like these types of reviews, then you'll probably enjoy Screams After Midnight, which is just this format, but with uh, with Tim instead of Tara. So you know, kind of a step down, but <laughs> but we have different tastes and things. Yes. Well, I mean, we just reviewed a film that got an average between us of nine point five. The last review that I recorded with Tim got an average of two out of ten. <laughs> so, if you want to see me and Tim review some absolute trash, and that was a movie from this year, might I add? Ooh. Had one of the worst endings ooh, ooh, ooh. I've is ever it, seen. Is it the 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 island one? No, I no, don't no, no, yet. No. Oh, okay. No. Uh, the movie in question is The Turning. Oh. Okay. Uh, really, really bad. That's all I'm saying. Uh, the only ending that's worse than this, and I've not seen this movie, but there's a movie, I think it's called The Devil Inside, where the ending of the movie is literally uh, a black screen with uh, a website address. I've seen that. You, see, you saw it? Yeah. Yeah. It tells you to go and look up the yeah, website for the ending. The hell? Yeah. Who's the just that? run out of money? <laughs> well, what's so strange about that to me is that, like, Movies don't get shot in order, so <laughs> if you did run out of money, then it wouldn't. I mean, the fact that it's the ending that's missing is really coincidental, if that's yeah. the case. Yeah, I, I rented it off a of Redbox because I thought I'll watch a possession movie. I don't know, like, see what it's like. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was terrible. Yeah. Uh, well, they're not in the streams yet, but we'll have to someday because, you know, our audience likes us to suffer. Uh, so. <laughs> movies that are incomplete. <laughs> uh yeah well i mean we reviewed the, the boy <laughs> so i guess we do there's precedent okay yeah well they forgot to write a script for that movie you see so it was definitely oh, incomplete uh, <laughs> yes we've done movies such as rumpelstiltskin and at least four leprechaun movies so far so go check out streams That's after midnight saga. Don't, don't call it a saga do, do, I know why you like those movies. It's because in the fourth one that's set in space, there's a 2001 reference where he's like a star child coming towards the, the ship. That is the only reason why you like that franchise. I'm calling it right now. Yeah. It's the reason I say bless you after someone sneezes three times. Alright. That is us, guys. <laughs> that is us, guys. Thank you very much once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching Science Fiction and Computer... I know what Tara's going to say in a second. Add salsa. I hate every ape I see. From chimpanzee to chimpanzee.